Welcome to The Power of Faith with David Hathaway. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. This is what the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 3, verse 1. Jesus is the only one, the only thing in whom, and in which, we can rejoice. Paul adds, to write the same things to you, rejoice, is not grievous for me, but safe for you. The only way to be safe in this uncertain age, is to rejoice in the Lord. He is our rock, our stability, he is our healer, and our provider. In our Christian walk, we need to know the Lord for ourselves. David was born into a Christian family. He has a godly heritage. But all that is useless, unless David came into a personal relationship with Jesus. This is the meaning behind Paul writing that we should put no confidence in the flesh. Our salvation, our confidence, is in the finished work of the cross, not in the works of man, so that no one can boast. We are saved by grace, through faith. Before David ministers today's word, we want to thank you, for your continuing support, of our humanitarian, and spiritual aid work in Ukraine. It is now six months, since Russia invaded Ukraine, committing unimaginable atrocities. Yet Ukraine remains steadfast, in its resolve to resist, and repel the invaders. Our staff work in the different regions of Ukraine, supplying humanitarian, and spiritual aid, holding social programs for the displaced, supporting chaplains as they minister on the front line, and organizing national days of prayer. To make a donation to support this work, visit eurovision.org.uk forward slash donation. Now, please join David as he ministers today's word. In chapter 3, this is how Paul begins. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Well, <laughs> I'm sure that's a good way to start any message. Rejoice in the Lord. But then he goes on because he's qualifying it by saying to write the, these things to you is not grievous, but for you it's safe. In other words, it's an admonition. So he goes on, and I like his language, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, and beware of those who believe in false uh, mutilation of the body. And he says, because we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. <clears throat> now, this is quite interesting because what he's really referring to is circumcision being not just a, a physical thing, but in the spiritual, because as you know, the big argument in the early church was, should these new believers in Jesus be circumcised? And in the end, the decisions know that they should not have to conform to Jewish law. But he's looking at the spiritual side of it, which is that circumcision represents being cut off from the things of the world and not having your confidence in the flesh. <clears throat> then, of course, he goes on. And 
I'm always intrigued by Paul's description of himself, because in verse 4 he's saying, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. So when he's talking about flesh, he's beginning by people who, for spiritual reasons, mutilate themselves. Then he's saying we don't uh, as believers in Christ, don't have to have the Jewish circumcision. And then he's saying we also should not depend on our own, our own fleshly uh, position uh, and experience as an entry into God's kingdom. That's why he's saying in verse 4, I might amongst all have confidence in the flesh. Because if any other man thinks that he has something that he could trust of, we're talking about salvation here, trust in salvation through fleshly works. You see, the trouble with religion is this, and I'm sure you're as, as aware of it as I am, that I was going to say 70%, quoting a figure here roughly, 70% of religion is nothing to do with faith in God. It's to do with physical evidences, like lighting candles for prayers. And I won't light a candle for prayer because it isn't prayer. Prayer is talking to God. And too much of religion is following rituals, dressing up in robes, fancy robes, and... um, Far, far too much of so-called Christianity is simply following rituals, repeating prayers, and so on. That's not what real faith in God is about. It's a spiritual experience. So watch how he puts it. He says, yes, um, as a Jew, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of Israeli background, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as the legal religious part, I'm a Pharisee. And then he goes on to say, concerning my spiritual zeal, I persecuted the church. And so, as regarding legal righteousness under Jewish law, under religious law, then I was blameless, Paul says. You know, it's very interesting because I look at my own background. You see, not quite the same, but in one sense the same. If I look back, I was born into a Christian family. My father was converted in the Welsh revival. He uh, at one time was an organist in a Baptist church. Then uh, he was converted in the Welsh revival and eventually received the Holy Spirit. He was in the First World War. When he came out, he became one of the early pastors. I mean, my father was a member of the First Pentecostal Church in Britain. And then he went on within very short period of time to be head of all these new uh, fast opening uh, Pentecostal churches in Scotland, where he met George Jeffreys, who was 
the most famous healing evangelist in Britain. Jeffreys invited my father to London and together they formed uh, a new Pentecostal church. So that's my background. I grew up in it. I was dedicated to the Lord as a baby by George Jeffreys. <laughs> my mother says I was born at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, just in time to go to church. So, uh, I mean, if you look back at my background, I'm a little bit like Paul in that sense, that from the human point, I always went to church. I believed in God. I prayed. I worshipped. But yet the thing is that I had to have a personal experience of Christ. And you know my testimony. I was only eight when I accepted Christ. And that was quite something personal. Um, I didn't take communion at that time. My father didn't want me to until age 12. I was baptized in water and then I took communion. So. You know, I, I had a very strong Christian upbringing like Paul. But Paul sums the whole thing up in verse 7, where he says, The things which, from a worldly point of view, gave me position and were gained to me, in other words, position, he says, I count all these things as nothing, worthless in order that I might find Christ. And it's the same with me. I, 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 don't, I don't stand where I am, and I haven't been an evangelist for 70 years, simply because of a Christian background, but because of a very personal experience of Jesus Christ. How age eight, I... I couldn't sleep because I knew if I didn't accept Christ, I would go to hell. I got out, I knelt at my bedside, I said, oh God, forgive me. And from there on, it was a matter of growing in knowledge of Christ till uh, when I was age 12, I said to my father, I need to be baptized. I was baptized in water. How uh, by the time I was 13, I was needing the Holy Spirit. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And how I knew right from the beginning, I had only one object in life. I never even thought about careers in different things, although, as you know, I, I worked in banking to, in London, the city of London, in order to pay my way through Bible college. But the whole of my life was a concentration on the job I had in mind. And so much so that I was only age 17 and working in the city and uh, I, I became so burdened at one time. <laughs> I, 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 I sometimes make people laugh because I used to do a lot of praying when I was working in the bank and the only place where I could get absolute um, solitude, quietness, was um, getting the keys to the strong room where they kept the money. <laughs> and in my lunch hour, I would go down there and lock myself in and pray. But one of the things I prayed so desperately in those days was, Oh God, wait for me. I'm coming. Wait, I'm coming. And don't give my job to somebody else. So I want you to understand that through those formative years, it seemed as if there was no other purpose in my life. You have an inheritance in Christ. It is expansive. 
beyond comprehension. And faith is the key, which will unlock this power in your life. Through David Hathaway's book, Power Your Inheritance, the book of Ephesians explored. Our prayer is that your eyes will be opened. That you will see, and know, what the hope is. What the riches are. The glory of God, in you. David wants you, to enter into the power, and the riches of this glory. He wants you, to experience and live in the fullness of the blessing. There is so much power available, to those who will believe. In David Hathaway's book, Power, Your Inheritance, the book of Ephesians explored. He will reveal the glory of your inheritance in Christ. Order your copy today, by visiting, eurovision.org.uk, forward slash, shop. We've got to be changed, transformed, by the fire, and the power of the Holy Spirit. David Hathaway, wants you to live in the fullness of the power of God. On our website, eurovision.org.uk, are many teaching articles, videos, podcasts, and the digital version of Prophetic Vision magazine, all designed to help you on your walk with God. Also available online are monthly newsletters, ministry reports, and updates on our humanitarian aid work with Russian Jews and displaced persons. Visit us online today. Eurovision.org.uk Thank you for listening to the Power of Faith broadcast with David Hathaway. We would love to hear from you. Contact us by visiting eurovision.org.uk Also available online are many free teaching resources to help you on your walk with God. David has written many faith-building books to encourage and inspire. Order these online today. Each month, David ministers online and in person. Our ministry is only possible because of the faithful support of so many people. For details on our evangelism and humanitarian relief work, visit eurovision.org.uk. Thank you again for listening.